With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Feeling like you need a punch of energy? Enter Wonderful Pistachios. I love them. The snack that packs a protein punch. And the best part, they come in so many flavors and so many sizes. Whether you're on the go or chilling at home, Wonderful Pistachios, they're the go-to snack for me. Here's the real kicker, the protein. These little wonders are one of the highest protein nuts out there. Just one ounce serves up a whopping six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. So visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. I love them. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Thanks for listening to the Best of Herd Podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 12 to 3 Eastern, 9 to noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and FS1. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Herd. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio. Oh, it is a Friday full of smiles. We're not anti-Laker or pro-warrior. We're pro-getting it right. It's the herd, wherever you may be and however you may be watching and listening. Thanks for making us part of your day. Well, well, well. J-Mac, you called for a blowout win. I was uh, more cautious. I thought Golden State would win by 7. You had it up to 15-20. They went up to, at some point, 30. Um, This is kind of what they do, right? This is what Steve Kerr and Eric Spolstra are kind of known for, the great adjusters. Game two, Lakers-Warriors looked nothing like game one. The lineups didn't look the same. The pace, the tempo. Got ourselves a series. Uh, I've been playing a lot of chess with my son, so right now, check to you, Darvin Ham. Yeah, right. uh, what adjustments are you going to make for Game 3? Yep, so as predicted on this show, uh, the Warriors adjust. It's what they do better than anybody in the league. Uh, that AD would come back down to earth, that the extra rest, the two and a half days of extra rest for the Lakers, which were so big in the first half of Game 1, they would look much more even. And the, the Lakers, if AD's not rolling, have a very low ceiling on offense. And boy, is that true. Watching the media and fans react and overreact to a Warriors loss has become an annual tradition in uh, May and June. Uh, Kerr and Eric Sprolstra, this is what they do. Now it's up to Darvin Ham. The Warriors also do something that only championship teams or dynasties usually do consistently well. They don't overreact. They don't let a moment or a game become two or three games of issues. They're resilient. They're smart. There's a lot of different chess pieces, and there is a chess against checkers component in this series. The way the Warriors play is creative and artistic. But the way they methodically build a game plan is systemic and formulaic. It's very much Apple in the Silicon Valley. 
creative and dynamic, but yet as a business, methodical. Uh, that's what the Warriors are. They don't let their creative impulses overrun like artists can tend to do. They don't get too impulsive. They don't let one bad moment become a second or a third. They take the emotion out of it, and they just break you down methodically. So Steve Kerr said, okay, the Lakers are dominating us inside. What do we do? Let's get smaller, huh? Yes, Looney out. Draymond on AD. Let's get smaller. Let's play faster. They weren't going to go toe-to-toe with the Lakers' side. So they said, we, we're not as big. We can't grow. They won't shrink. Let's just get smaller and faster and push the pace and get our shooters spread out around the floor, and the Lakers couldn't hang. Steph Curry went old-school point guard with assists. Draymond latched on to AD. So they went smaller, got faster, and the Lakers were overwhelmed. Like, there's certain things you can do uh, in a series and to manipulate the same personnel. And I thought they did it last night. The Warriors ended up having a massive rebounding edge. They made AD get up and down the floor. Now two and a half days extra rest. AD didn't have it. You watch LeBron, pretty effective, right? He had a nice night, efficient, had no impact. AD, virtually no impact. So we said after game one, take a deep breath. Kerr's going to look at the film. As J-Mac predicted, get Looney off the floor, get smaller even on AD, spread out the shooters, and that's what they did. And now it's up to Darvin Ham to make a chess move. But again, this is not a deep offensive reservoir for the Lakers. They got one day full rest. Next afternoon, they play. To me, the Lakers have to make hay in game three. If they don't win tomorrow, and again, LeBron played a lot of minutes. AD played probably 10 minutes more than he should have. The game was a blowout middle of the third. Take your guys off. It's twos versus threes. You're not going to win this night. This was the chess match going to Steve Kerr. He talked about Steph Curry going old school, passing, spreading the floor out, and getting guys like Clay and Wiggins and everybody else good looks. He's so unselfish. Um, 12 assists tonight. Um, he's willing to do whatever it takes to win. Just the way things were clicking, um, I think Steph. Steph was very content just, um, you know, being a more traditional point guard and, uh, you know, 20 assists or 20 points and 12 assists. Um, that's uh, that's a pretty good line for a point guard. <laughs> yes, it is. So this is what they do. They've got this reservoir of intelligence and resilience and playoff experience. Sacramento felt like through three games, woo, Sacramento's the better team. Boston last year in the finals through three games. They're the better team. Nobody can change how they play, their lineup, their size, their resilience. This is why they're a dynasty. They've looked dead in multiple series. They looked overmatched in game one. And instead of trying to bang at the Lakers' advantage, they got smaller and faster, and the Lakers were utterly overwhelmed and had no answers. In my argument, they played AD too many minutes. All right, and let's go to that. So there's something called game score. It's an analytic in the NBA. It's almost like passer rating in the NFL. 
And it shows you that when Anthony Davis is great, the Lakers are 5-0. and When Anthony Davis is good, they're 5-1. and When he's okay, they're a 500 team. These are not LeBron's Lakers. It is official. They are not. This is AD's team. Um, this Laker team last night got a very strong game from LeBron. No turnovers, 10 of 18 shooting, played a lot of minutes, and they got rolled. LeBron's no longer an elite defender. He hangs out by the three-point line. This team is AD's team, and they'll be as good as AD is. When he's great, and we predicted, we predicted with just a day's rest, he would come way back down to earth. He was still elite defensively, but the Warriors didn't challenge him there. They didn't let him be as dominating a force. Did you notice Steph, Draymond, pulling up for free throw jumpers? So last night's a great example. There are some things you can do with a quarterback. Like you can make him more accurate or consistent, but you can't make a quarterback larger. <laughs> you can't make him more athletic. You can't make him more intelligent. And with AD, the question is, does he have the alpha? LeBron in his prime embraced it. So did MJ. So did Kobe. They embraced it. With AD, and this is now officially his team, all the analytics tell you, is he physically capable of being the man every night? He's not. It's his 11th year in the league. <laughs> There's things you can do to alter or improve a quarterback. You can't make him taller. You can't make him more athletic. There are ceilings. And I think there's a passion ceiling and an intensity ceiling to AD's personality and his body. You're not going to get 70 games. You're not going to get 65 games. You're not going to get 20 straight great playoff games. That's not who he is. LeBron in his prime almost never had a bad game. I mean, you go back to LeBron for about a 10-year period. You can count on one hand in 10 years the average playoff games. He once got crap in Cleveland and I forget who they were playing. It may have been Boston, where his owner said he, he kind of quit on the team. And he had like 28 points and 12 assists and great defense. I mean, LeBron was held to such a high standard. With AD, it's the opposite. After a great game, we all go, okay, he's coming back down to earth. So he's not physically 11 years in the league going to change. This is, this is what he is. I don't think he's a bad guy. I think he's a really good guy. I think he's really gifted. I think when he's healthy and on, he's a top five player in the league. And he's almost always good defensively. But the Warriors last night said, we're, gonna, we're not going to let you dominate defensively. We're going to pull up. We're not going to challenge you at the rim. We're going to take away that dominance. And they did. And they forced him to get up and down the floor. And he didn't have two and a half days rest. So I, I, the question now is, and that's why every time I throw out a sell AD high, Okay, this is what he is. You are getting an incredibly viable, long stretch of healthy, passionate AD. You, you think you're going to get 65 games next year of that? Like, this is the height of it. And when he's good, he's really good. But if you look at sports, NFL, NBA, the great example is Juju Smith-Schuster, who's not close to AD as a player. Chiefs used him for a year. Moved on, and the Patriots are suckers and signed him for three. This sport, these leagues are GMs and the smarter teams knowing when to move off really good players who have peaked or buying players 
when people are bailing on them. People bailing on Andrew Wiggins. Warriors came in and said, no, 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 no. He's a great player in our system, right? Rudy Gobert, T-Wolves, let's, nine players, let's get. They got worked by Utah, and Utah ended up being much better than we thought. So the AD thing, whenever I suggest, be very careful about falling in love with AD. Fall in like with AD. And the dilemma for the Lakers, though, this is now his team. LeBron was very, very efficient last night. Zero impact. When AD was highly efficient in game one, he won the game. He controlled the game. So that's the dilemma for the Lakers, is it's now AD's team. He's the better player. His ceiling is top five in the league. LeBron is no longer, when he's on, like game one of the series, he's the best defensive player on the floor. He's as good as any offensive player on the floor. He literally eliminates your interior game. I mean, the Warriors' entire game two game plan, the Warriors' game plan last night was all based on AD. Don't challenge him at the rim. <laughs> okay, so the offense was shoot threes and two. Do not go to the basket. Let's take Looney off the floor. We're not even going to challenge AD size-wise. And then off, and then defensively, let's make him get out and run and cover. The whole game plan wasn't about LeBron or Rui or Austin. Re the whole game plan was the Warriors told you, based on last night's game plan, who concerns them? AD. What concerns the Lakers, or at least should, is how many nights a year can he be the man? Because in a seven-gamer, if you get four, that's good enough. You win the game. But this is not LeBron's team anymore. It is not. It's AD's. And last night... You got a shadow of AD game two from game one, and they got completely, utterly rolled. By the way, Steve Kerr talked about Draymond defending AD last night. Draymond was brilliant. I mean, you know, this is um, the guy who, um, you know, we have to have. Um, you know, he's our, our engine, and um, we decided to, you know, to put him on Davis tonight from the start. And um, I thought he, he got us off to a good start defensively just with his aggressiveness. For the people that do not understand the value of Draymond Green, like last night, Steve Kerr said, I'm going to put a 6'7 guy on AD. And it literally changed the game. So uh, my, my belief is I had Warriors in five. You had him in seven. Maybe I'll go to six. I do think it's really now the pressure is on Darvin Ham and his staff to make some moves and on AD. The pressure's not on LeBron. This is not his team. He's not the best player. He's not the best coach. So th th this series for the Lakers comes down to Darvin Ham and AD. I know y'all love Austin Reeves, and I know they're going to hang a raft in the rafters a LeBron jersey. It's not what this series is. You got to get th – this team will not beat the Warriors – unless you get Anthony Davis's A game, both ends of the floor. No chance to win. Because LeBron played well last night, and they got housed. <laughs> he had no impact. AD plays well, they win. LeBron plays well, they get rolled. That tells you whose team it is. All right. J-Mac. Chris Paul's not playing. Oof. That's bad. Not good. Hey, by the way, did you see how many shots Steph Curry took last night when they won by, when they won by 60, 65, something like that? Took 12 shots, and they killed the Lakers. It's bad. It's bad yeah, for them. Unlike the Lakers are very beholden to AD being dominant. The Warriors are not. Wiggins played better. Clay was amazing. Draymond was great. 
Uh, Moody gave him some minutes. Like they, Jamichael Green came on and played. Yeah. This I was telling uh, Alex on our staff this morning. We were walking uh, in between buildings, and I said, "The Warriors." are a very consistent team. You kind of know what you get from a lot. You get Draymond's defense every night or if Peyton's on the floor every night or Looney's rebounding every night. If you're a coach, you know what you get from the Warriors, mostly. I mean, sometimes Steph shoots better than our Knights. The Lakers' best player, AD, you're not sure really what you get night to night. Forget Rui and D'Lo and Reeves. Those guys are all over. The- you don't get full, complete right. games. You just get good quarters, moments, and halves. So Kerr has a roster that is much older and more consistent. I mean, Draymond played a full great game. Clay played a full great game. Rui has a good half. Yeah. Or D'Lo has a good quarter. And so it's much harder to coach the Lakers in Darvin Ham. That's a much harder team to coach because you don't know what you're getting. It would like have a quarterback who's hot and cold. You knew what for 15 years, you kind of knew what you got with Brady. He'd have one stinker every year. One. Mahomes has a stinker every year, but you kind of knew what you were getting. Whereas there's other guys out there. Big Ben could be a little hot and cold. Cam could be a little hot. When they were great, they were great. But you got a lot of not great. And so the Lakers are comprised of a lot of players that Darvin Ham doesn't know what he's getting night to night. Kerr kind of knows what he's getting almost every game. Yeah. Is there a scenario where Darvin Ham actually says, hmm, maybe I match the Warriors and I play either AD or LeBron and four guards, but not both of them together? Or does he say, hey, our better chance is in a rock fight. Let's just slow this down, play it in the 90s, and pound AD every time down the court. AD's getting a shot in the paint. Yeah, and I think you can do that to win game three. Right. But I don't believe that's a sustainable model to win a series. I think the way for the Lakers to win is say, AD, 40 touches. I think the way the Warriors can win is, hey, tonight it's Clay. Tomorrow it's Steph. I think there's a lot of different ways to win. I, and I think the Warriors, not to say it's easy for Steve Kerr, but he kind of knows what he's getting if he implements certain strategies. Like they were going to get Clay and Wiggins more looks. Well, they were both very good. Clay was sensational. Like, like Rui was really good for a half, but then like it, the second half's not the same. And. So I think there are teams and players that are easier to coach. I think Darvin Ham's, I've said it all year, he's had a very good year of coaching. I think Darvin Ham's done a terrific job. I mean, considering what he inherited, he got a new team at the trade deadline, AD's health, I thought. I think Darvin's great. Now you'll really see the chess match because the Lakers can't shoot with Golden State. They're not as consistent as Golden State. They're not as experienced at Golden State. There's one way for the Lakers to win this series. It is just pound AD. So it's going to be a lot of psychology, Darvin. And, and by the way, now it's just one day's rest yeah. in between all these games. So it benefits the deeper, yeah. more experienced team, Golden State. How about State. LeBron? Zero free throw attempts last night. He had a great first half, 21 points. Zero free throw attempts for LeBron. Well, he's sitting outside all the game. That's what he does. Yeah, we, got, we just talked about it. you got to go inside. A- AD inside, LeBron driving to the hoop. It's got to be a slowdown half-court game for the Lakers to have a chance, I think. Yeah. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. 
Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. So I thought this was interesting. Lamar Jackson, Ravens quarterback, His contract has a couple interesting clauses. Now people have looked at it. There is both a no trade and a no tag clause, meaning the Ravens can only trade him to places he's willing to go and they cannot franchise tag him. Now, why would Baltimore do that? That's giving up a lot, right? Because what Baltimore's betting on is that they love Lamar now, but they don't see him as a 15-year player. And the next five years are the best five years. With Lamar's style and his history of injuries, the Ravens are going to be all in and pay every penny for five years. But I've said this repeatedly. Tua is not built to play 15 years. Kyler Murray's not. Bryce Young isn't. Doesn't mean they can't be a great quarterback. Justin Herbert's style and body size, that's a 15-year player or longer. Brady's big, 6'4 230. He sat in the pocket. That's built to play 15 years. Tom Brady got a no-franchise tag. Do you remember that? It was at the very end of his deal with New England. And they came to terms with, we've gotten about all we think we can get out of Tom. Let's not fight at the end of this deal to hold him. By this time, we got the rings. He's been a great player. We've loved our relationship. But we'll give this one up. And, and, and so the contract ends, and maybe Baltimore, like New England, regrets it. Because when this contract ends, Lamar's going to be 30. 
But remember how fast it appeared Big Ben aged and Cam Newton aged and Russell Wilson last year aged. Now, I think Russell rebounds, but he didn't look the same running around. Kyler Murray doesn't want to run around and get hit. And so what the Ravens are doing by putting these clauses in, they're saying, listen, we're all in for the next five years, but you're not going to let us franchise tag. That's fine. You're going to tell us where we have to trade you. That's fine. My guess, three years in, they'll start drafting quarterbacks to see so they don't get trapped. Third, fourth, fifth round, they'll try to find somebody. But you allow this as a business or a franchise when you don't necessarily see it as a 20-year relationship. And due to Lamar's style of play and his injuries, he's probably not. And I'm okay with it. Most businesses plan five years out, not 15, not 10. So if you're the Ravens for the next five years, you're going to be wildly dynamic at quarterback. That's a long time. This league fires a quarter of its coaches every year, meaning every four years, the entire league turns over in coaches. By the way, look, the longest tenured quarterback in the league right now is Dak Prescott. I thought he was young. Now he's the old guy. So the Ravens are saying, hey, this is the way the world works now. More quarterbacks are moving, getting running, getting hit. Careers, Brady's the outlier. Careers can be shorter. If I told you, you're going to buy a house, going to be the greatest house you've ever lived in for five years, but it's not a 30-year home, would you do it? I would. You're going to buy a car. It's not a 20-year car, but it's going to give you a great ride for five years, best time. Like Lamar Jackson for five years, you're in the Super Bowl bubble. I'm all for it. I'll worry about year six in about three years. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried today. It's 2023. I'm not worried about 2029 today. I'm worried about 23, 24, 25, and then we start talking. But Lamar makes you viable. Lamar wins 75% of his games in that division with Burrow, Deshaun Watson, Kenny Pickett. I need a guy. Lamar's a guy. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. Chris Paul, one of my favorite point guards in the last 10, 12 years, ruled out tonight for Phoenix. They already trailed Denver 2-0. The Suns roster is thin and a man or two shy to begin with. This basically is the end of the Suns season. I don't even know if they can win tonight, but the roster is thin. You can't lose Chris Paul as well. So the, the new owner came in, and they gave up depth and the future to win now. And I'm like, all right, go for a big swing. Steve Ballmer did the same. New owners do this a lot. They want to sell merch. They want to make a splash. So Steve Ballmer rolls the dice on two injury-laden stars, PG and Kawhi, and it hasn't worked. And Matt Ishbia did the same with KD. Let's give out some younger bodies to go get a star, fill the, fill the seat, sell some merch, make a big splash. It's not going to work. Mark Cuban, by the way, rolled the dice. A veteran owner. Let's bring in, you know, erratic behavior, injury, history, Kyrie, big swing. Didn't work. Now, I think the Suns are in a much better spot, actually, than the Mavericks, who are a bit trapped now, and the Clippers. I just think Kawhi's not going to be available. Three big swings. David Tepper did this with Carolina as well, by the way. Big swings. Now they're going the more traditional route. Uh, getting an NFL coach, not a college guy. Um, and so for Phoenix, the good news is Devin Booker's a star, and he's in his prime. 
DeAndre Ayton's a starter, a big that runs the floor in his prime, and Katie's got a couple of really good years left. He's not going to give you 90, 80 games, 70 games, but he's got a couple of good years left. Uh, now, though, you have to come to terms, and this can be hard when you take a big swing. you got to make another big move. Chris Paul is going to be 38 tomorrow. His productivity fell off a cliff. I love the guy, but it's over. Um, it's just it's, it's time. And, and so getting losing to Denver, it's okay. They're a number one seed. They were favored in the series. It's not the end of the world. Getting swept, potentially, or a gentleman sweep five games, that's a red flag. So I, I applaud big swings. David Tepper, Steve Ballmer, Mark Cumer, Cuban, this new Phoenix owner. It's a big swing. They gave up young bodies, depth, and the future for now. And you still have Booker, star, Aiton, really good, Kevin Durant, star, limitations on minutes and games. But the Chris Paul thing, as much as I like it, <clears throat> It, it's it's you've hit the end of the wall. Um, all right. So Steve Kerr was talking. Mike Budenholzer a couple years ago came from the Spurs system, move him up to Milwaukee. He wins a title with Giannis. What a career he's going to have. He got fired yesterday. And his friend Steve Kerr talked about it. My, my first response is um, not necessarily shock. Um, it's it's more disappointment because Bud is a fantastic coach and, uh, as you said, just won a championship and has been um, wildly successful in his in his uh, coaching career. This is the business we're in. Um, Raymond just told me three of the last four championship coaches have been uh, have been fired and. Um, you know, it's just, it happens quickly. I mean, there's uh, expectations every year for every team are so high and only one team can win. And um, so it's it's sad news for the coaching profession. Well, the, with all respect to Steve Kerr, um, only one team can win, but Giannis changes the temperature in the room. So did LeBron in his prime. So did Durant in his prime. So did Steph Curry in his prime. The reason Budenholzer was fired was Giannis. Because when you have Giannis, you can't get rolled in a series when you're a favorite and get out coached. The NBA, we watch it during the playoffs. He had some coaching gaffes, but on a Tuesday night against Orlando, if the Packers play the next day, nobody even talks about it in Milwaukee. But in the playoffs, everybody watches. You're the favorite. You get rolled. You get fired. Giannis, Embiid in their prime, Steph in his prime, LeBron in his prime. There's a downside to even the best of news. That's why many people in the industry call being an NBA head coach the worst great job in America. Pay to fortune, get a coach stars. The better the stars, the higher the expectation. You'll see it in football. Brandon Staley's a really bright guy. But most of the fans wanted him out after year two. Why? Justin Herbert's the quarterback. You see what Burrow's doing? Well, Justin Herbert, oh, you, you, you can't win a playoff game. I mean, you can't. You, 27 nothing lead, you lose. So it's the same thing with Zach Taylor. Zach Taylor gets to a Super Bowl in Cincinnati. They start two and three last year. Everybody's going, I don't know about Zach Taylor. Why? Because Joe Burrow. Yet in the NFL, there is one thing that wins big, a star quarterback. But no, when you get a star quarterback, the expectations, the temperature in the room completely change. And so this had to happen. I mean, again, 
In the NBA, David Stern, the late commissioner, would tell people this privately. We know nobody watches in the regular season. You can make coaching mistakes, substitution errors. If you have an NFL team in your city like Milwaukee, the Packers, nobody talks about it. If it's a Sunday or a Monday or a Tuesday, they're talking about the Packers. A Monday night game in Orlando, you can make a coaching gaffe. Nobody cares. But in the NBA, especially with certain teams and stars, everybody's watching. And he made some real coaching gaffes, and he got run. If you don't have Giannis, if Brooke Lopez and Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton were your best players, maybe he keeps his job. But uh, that's the downside to having a transcendent generational superstar player. You can't give away games or multiple games in a series. Paulie Fusco here with Tony Fusco. Yo! Of course, you know us as the host of the number one rated show in all the sports talk, the Paulie and Tony Fusco Show. Yeah. If you're hearing this promo right now, it means you're listening to some other show. Uh, well, why the hell are you doing that? Yeah, get your priorities straight. Well, maybe, Tony, they listened to this week's episode already. I don't care. Listen to it again. Yeah, great point there, Tony. Anyway, you. so you listening out there, make sure and go do that and uh, listen to the Paulie and Tony Fusco Show on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game-changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
So I thought this morning, counting quarterbacks, tight ends, running backs, and wide receivers, it's it's a pyramid of the best weapons, the playmaker pyramid. Now, I do think, obviously, receivers are far more important than running backs and tight ends, right? So quarterback's the most important, wide receivers next, running back, tight end. So let's do, these are the best, my playmaker period, quarterback, running back, tight end, wide receiver. So at the bottom is Kansas City. Now, I know you're saying, like, how? Yes, Mahomes and Travis Kelsey are unbelievable. But after that, there's a big drop-off. Sky Moore, Kadarius, Tony. I mean, there's a reason they keep moving guys. This team is about Andy Reid's brain, Mahomes' talent, and Travis Kelsey. So they're at the bottom, which, by the way, in a 32-team league, only got 10 teams here. It's a good place to be. Next to them, uh, I would put the Buffalo Bills. Again, they add Damian Harrison, Dalton Kincaid, but he's a rookie. They don't get a lot of yards out of tight end. It's why they addressed it. I love the upgrade at tight end and running back, and I love Stephon Diggs. But when they can run the ball consistently, I'll move them higher. Right now, offensive line still in flux and in question, and Sean McDermott has not not been able to build a reliable run game. Also next to them at the bottom, and I may have these guys too low, but I just got to see it to believe it, Jacksonville. I think Calvin Ridley is going to be a big hit. He got uh, banned for a year because of gambling, but they've got a lot of young talent. This is the best Trevor Lawrence, because he's on a rookie contract, may ever have. Travis ATN, Christian Kirk, Zay Jones, Evan Ingram. This is a really solid B-plus group of weapons, but I still think they're ascending. They haven't arrived yet. And then next to them, Seattle. Okay, it's a low ceiling with Geno Smith. But I do think getting Jackson Smith and Jigba along with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, that's a real receiving core. Noah Fant's good, not great. I like Zach Charbonnet, the draft pick with Kenneth Walker. So you're less reliant on Geno Smith. But there's some real speed here and some real after-the-catch weapons. I like Seattle. All right, then the next level. Uh, And I may have them low too. But again, you got to show me. I got to see it to believe it. I'll put the Chargers up there. And why do I put the Chargers so high? Well, let's let's be honest. Austin Eckler's contract worries me. But Mike Williams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, and Justin Herbert with a new offensive coordinator, they were a bad second-half offense. They were a very good first-half offense. I think the coordinator change matters. I do worry about the constant injuries to Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but they drafted Quentin Johnson for a reason. Next to them, the 49ers. We don't know who their quarterback is. And I also think McCaffrey and George Kittle are getting up there in age and durability issues. Love Debo Samuel, but he can get hurt. Brandon Ayuk's very good, not great. Um, I love the coach. The coach is brilliant. Nobody in the league schemes more open receivers, but I don't know what they are at quarterback. I think they'll be fine, not great. Next to them, let's go with the Ravens. Okay, I think they're really, really good. Could be great. I just don't know if they're ever healthy. And so J.K. Dobbins off an injury. Odell Beckham off an injury. Rashad Bateman off an injury. Zay Flowers a rookie. I think they could be the fastest offense in the league, and I can't wait to watch Baltimore, and I do think they're a playoff team. But the injuries, or I'd rate them higher. At Thanksgiving, if they're all healthy, they may be top of the pyramid. Uh, Next to them, 
I would go next level, Philadelphia. I do worry about A.J. Brown getting squeezed out of the offense and complaining, and they have a new coordinator. But I actually like Rashad Penny, DeAndre Swift. Neither is going to give you 16, 17 weeks, but they're both high-end running backs. Again, the offensive line's great. It's getting old. You have a new coordinator. Could Jalen Hurts pull back a little? Maybe I've got him low, but next to them, I'm going to go Miami Dolphins. I think they have the best, most dangerous wide receiving core in terms of speed in the league. A brilliant offensive coach, and when two is upright, they were hard to stop. Mike Gusecki's gone, but he didn't block. They went and got a blocking tight end. They also have Raheem Mostert, a power running back with speed. Do I have them ranked too high? I don't think I do. If you look at the clinic they put on before Tua got hurt, people struggled to stop Miami. I think year two in this offensive system, a lot of points. And number one, the Bengals. Second best quarterback, top 10 running back, absolutely the best receiving core in the NFL. It doesn't bother me they lost the tight end. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Tyler Board. T. Higgins is a number one on a lot of teams. They've upgraded the O-line. There is my playmaker pyramid. All right. What do you make of that, J-Mac? So uh, this is tough. I was looking at some of the stats for offense last year, and the Detroit Lions offensively were fifth in the league. So we their, their skill position players are pretty dynamite. Maybe a little under the radar. Okay. No superstars. Okay, so that was the team that missed out. DeAndre Swift, a home run hitter, is gone. You're depending on a rookie. We don't know. I don't know if do they have a true dominant one as a receiver. They also I'm let, on Ross St. Brown. He's a great two. He was dominant last year, but okay, fair enough. And they let go of a great tight end. Well, for a reason. They didn't want to pay him, and then they okay. drafted another guy from Iowa. Yeah, but. Swift's gone, the tight end's gone, and their their best receiver to me is an excellent two. Okay, so how much of this is past versus projection? Because I I would argue Aaron Rodgers will supremely elevate the likes of Garrett Wilson and Brees Hall. But do you notice, I've seen Cincinnati be great, Philly be great, Chargers be great, Dolphins be great, Niners be great, Ravens when healthy, great. Eh. All of these... Eh. Ravens? Huh? Ravens? They do win 75%. I mean, we're putting a lot on Odell Beckham coming off an ACL and yeah, Zay I, Flowers. And there are some numbers. I'm not going to reveal them now. We've got a long summer to go. That shows Zay Flowers may have been overdrafted a little bit. Some stuff from college. We'll, so we'll see. You're, you, I, I, I would kick the Ravens down a tier. And again, I'm not picking on the Ravens today, but wait for the final hour. You think Lamar's any good? He's a pretty good player. Lamar, decent. Yeah, but uh, 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 this is what I love about these football discussions. Okay. You think Lamar's okay. any good? Yeah, you spent a month saying he's never available. He's always hurt. Okay, like, okay. <laughs> Do you notice the top three teams in my period have something in common? Great receiving targets. Yeah. They don't all have great backs, but I mean, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill. You can't single cover either. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, boy. Yeah, yeah. A.J. Brown, Donovan Smith. So... I, I judge Devontae Smith. I'm, I am very much a believer in wide receiving cores significantly more important than running backs and tight ends. That's why, like, Kansas City's got the best quarterback and the best tight end. The receiving cores, kind of a grab bag of young guys. I yeah. think Skymore could be good. I honestly think 
the receivers are less valuable than Andy Reid's brain. Right, so d- that, that's the quirky thing here. Like, Andy Reid is so good. Patrick Mahomes is otherworldly. So you can just plug in anybody, and it's going to uh, work, right? If you gave me, if the Niners had a quarterback today that was even Kirk Cousins, Niners would be number one. They have no flaw. They have a dominant mm. tight end. I Lef- guess calling it a playmaker pyramid, it shouldn't matter who the quarterback is, right? No, no. Your playmakers are going to get it to Debo no, in space. Out, He's we gone. argued about that this morning. A quarterback in 2023 is a playmaker. The pocket guy is, is drying up. Lamar's a playmaker. I mean, look around. Burrow is a playmaker. Jalen Hurts is a playmaker. Um, uh, CD Lamb, Tony Pollard. Tony Dak Pollard's, co- okay, Tony, Tony Pollard's I'm coming kidding. off a, I'm just, come on. a major injury. Yeah. They lost their top tight end. And if CeeDee Lamb twists an ankle, that's a bad receiving core. I don't know. I think this is utterly it, brilliant. It's not bad. I, I like it. <laughs> um, Detroit, Detroit's the one we fought over, and my takeaway is, so you lost your best tight end, you lost your best running back, and you don't have a number one receiver. I can't put you in my pyramid. Well, uh, uh, hold on. Who's the best receiver in the NFL? Because he might not Justin, be on this Justin list. Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase. Justin Jefferson, Vikings down on here. Dalvin Cook, decent running back. No, no, no. Not knocking it. But, I mean, I'm not saying they're not. You're, you're hoping Jordan Addison, because you lost Adam Thielen. You're hoping a rook. I haven't seen it yet. They also lost a good tight end. I haven't. Let, let's just, just, Minnesota and Detroit are both in a weak NFC. Well, wait, Minnesota offenses. did get TJ Hawkinson from Detroit. Oh, you're you, right. You, my, my, you my do bad. like. So, Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison's not a bad backup. Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison, KJ Osborne, mm. Hawkinson. It's 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 one star receiver, a quarterback that shrinks in big moments, and a running yeah, back well, I like but okay. gets banged up. So overall, I would say you, this is a solid pyramid. No glaring mistakes, but I would make room for the Jets because they got Aaron mm. Rodgers. Who quarterback counts? Well, if I had one other level, I would have done Vikings, Lions, Jets, and kicked the Ravens down a level or two. I think the Ravens are going to be really good. Mm. I can't wait to watch them play. One more herd? The herd streams 24 hours a day, seven days a week within the iHeartRadio app. Search herd to listen live or on demand whenever you'd like. When I watched the game last night, I noticed this. It was the first time it really, really stuck out to me that LeBron became kind of an empty stats guy. And there's a lot of guys in the NBA that do that. But he had no turnovers. 10 for 18, 23 points, 7 rebounds. Super efficient. Very, very efficient. No impact. Minus 27. Worse than the Lakers. He had a very good game. No turnovers, 10 for 8 shooting, 7 rebounds, 23 points. No impact. For 18 to 19 years, when LeBron was on the floor, you could see him you couldn't take your eyes off him. And I found myself last night, there are times he kind of disappeared. Hangs out by the three-point line. Um, you know, doesn't take a lot of high-percentage shots. When he does beat a guy to the basket, which he does regularly, it's just a two. Against the Warriors, they shoot threes. Clay Thompson dominated the game. First game, Anthony Davis dominated the game. When's the last time we're going to a game three in a series and LeBron's had really no impact? Uh, He has great moments. He doesn't have a lot of great games, for the record. He's probably the best basketball player I've ever seen. My prediction is LeBron will be much better in Game 3 tomorrow. Could be his best game in the series. That's what happens off a humiliating loss where he was barking at the officials. Um, 
but he's only got one day rest. And so can he fill the energy tank back up? He, he played some minutes. So it, it's, um, you know, LeBron for like 17 years was like the lead singer of the rock band, the biggest band in the world. He was the lead singer. He's still in the band, a little bit behind. You're not watching him as much. But I mean, last night was all about Draymond and Clay. And the first game was all about AD and Jordan Poole. And now we go to game three and it's like, Hasn't really been a factor. And again, last night, he was very effective. I thought LeBron was excellent. No turnover, seven rebounds, 10 for 18 shooting. But J-Mac and I have been talking about this. It's a lot of hanging out by the three-point line. The advantage to doing that is if your team misses, you don't have to get back on defense. You're not racing back on defense. It's, a, it's an easier way to play. You shoot threes, it misses, you just backpedal, you're already in position. It's an easier way to play. AD's got to be on the low block. He's got to race down. That's why when you speed the pace up, AD's running up and down the floor and up and down with a big body that's injury prone. So it's just interesting to me. It was one of the few times I watched LeBron and I would ask myself, is he on the floor? For 17 years, like it just jumped out when he was on the floor and he played well. They were never competitive in the second half. I think he had 21 of his 23 in the first half. He was out, he hit his first two threes. And it's funny because we were saying he, he was at 18% from deep heading into this game in the playoffs. I was like, uh-oh, LeBron, LeBron doesn't want to lose. He wants to steal this game, and then nobody else on the team stepped up, Colin. So here's Austin Le Reeves is playing poorly. Austin Reeves He's is my guy. guy. You know I like Austin He's Reeves. He's a guy. He's not anybody's guy. He, he, what are you talking? Can He's we run the footage from Memphis when he was torching John Morant and company? Like, lit them up. Austin Reeves. The hillbilly Kobe. Memphis. Uh, here's LeBron trying to keep up with the Warriors. LeBron, you've seen them go on crazy runs and games um, and all your battles with them. What's sort of the key to, to, to not letting those um, build and stack, and, and how do you kind of have to combat that? Uh, you got to keep scoring. Uh, get to the free throw line um, as well, or just get uh, points in the paint. Uh, you know, they're going to go on runs. That's what they do. Um, you know, but you got to keep scoring, um, try to hold the fort down, obviously. Um, you know, but you give uh, credit where credit is due. They played exceptionally well tonight, and we didn't. And uh, the series is tied 1 1. So uh, that's where we're at. For the record, when LeBron drove last night, they didn't foul him. They just let him score. We'll shoot threes, you hit twos. They let it, when he got to the basket, not a lot of contested. They don't want to foul him. They're not about fouling him. Why do that? If he misses, which he doesn't usually around the basket, to two. We're hitting threes. This, this series is really old school twos and new school threes. It's not Stephen LeBron. It's really a style of play. The Lakers dominate twos. The Warriors shoot threes. LeBron drives. Don't foul him. What's the point? Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Co-host First Things First. Fastest growing show in sports cable. It is rolling. And that's because Chris Broussard and Kevin Wilds hold Nick Wright accountable. And they're going to really <laughs> hold him accountable today. Although he, I think he saw last night coming. You know, I, I said this. Eric Spolster and Steve Kerr are such great chess players. And they're really, really clever, situationally late game. And if I was the Lakers this morning, I'm looking at it and I'm thinking... Rui played good. LeBron was, I mean, 20. LeBron had a highly efficient night. Do we have to have AD drop 30 and 15 to win? Because last night, Steph wasn't dominant. It was Draymond. 
It was Clay. Um, and I look at I look at Darvin Ham, and I'm thinking, we go back home. I needed AD to be dominant, and they almost tied it. Do you think the Lakers are thinking of themselves? Like, like I guess I'll ask you this: How much at this point is how valuable is LeBron? Because I thought he played well last night, and they weren't even competitive in the second half. He's valuable, but he's LeBron. So we think of him in terms of what he's done throughout his career, right? Because his numbers are still what they always have been, essentially, at least in the regular season. But he does not have close to the impact he used to have. He's not close to the defender he used to be. Now, he'll block some shots, and here and there he'll make some great defensive plays. But overall, he's not the disruptive defensive force he always was in his prime. And then to your point, Colin, he came out yesterday – like, he wanted to seal the deal. You know, a lot of people thought, oh, you know, they, they stole game one. They're happy with the split, you know. But LeBron came out like, no, I want to put the hammer down on these guys. And he was great early on. But to your point, it wasn't impactful. And if you look at the Lakers now, uh, LeBron's biggest scoring game against Memphis was, guess what? Game two, yeah. when they lost without John Moran, he had 28. In April, when he came back from injury, he had three 30-plus point games. Twice against Utah, who they barely beat without Utah's two best players. And then in a loss to the Clippers. The games they won, he didn't score nearly as much. So the, the formula for the Lakers is no longer LeBron go for 30 and we'll carry you, we'll ride your back. No, it is Anthony Davis. And Nate, look, I, the, the Warriors certainly have the uh, remedy for Anthony Davis. You right. saw it last night, spread the floor, play four shooters, bring him away from the rim, put the ball in Steph's hands, so on and so forth. But the Lakers' only chance is to dominate the interior, right. which they AD should be able to do. He's bigger than everybody else on the floor, but last night he took one shot within the restricted area and only three total that were even close to the restricted area. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not Dirk Nowitzki. He's not even Joel Embiid when it comes to shooting perimeter shots. Right. Why are you shooting 15-footers when they got nobody that can stop you down low? So they got to get him down low and making him dominant. Uh, but honestly, Colin, I've said this for years. He's got the game of a one, but the <laughs> mentality of a two. Right. And so now that LeBron's a two, they got two twos. Yeah. And you need a one, I think, to believe to beat Golden State. Now that that's a really good way to put it. Now I also said this: is that Golden it Steve Kerr? It's an easier team to coach because he knows on almost every night he's going to get shooting from either Steph or Clay or both. Great defense from Draymond. Great rebounding from Looney. There's a lot of guarantees with them. When you can't guarantee that AD is dialed in and he's your one, I think this is a hard Laker team to coach. And I think Darvin's done a really good job. Basically, he's got a new team at the trade deadline. And Laker fans are tough on their coaches. Here's my question, though. If this thing goes 5-6 and the Lakers lose... At this, they're not getting rid of LeBron, right? With Bronny, they're not, they're not getting rid of him. Right. Do you have to at least consider, with LeBron's age, Chris, where you're getting 55 games, AD may be great, but he's the wrong teammate. You need an Ant Edwards. You need a 70-game guy. You need a young, a Trey Young. 
You don't need an old guy that doesn't play 75 games. Let's say they get extinguished in this series. Do you take the phone call on moving AD? I definitely take the call. I don't know that I move him. Obviously, it'd have to be a great package for him. But I'm definitely taking the call, and I'm listening. You mentioned Edwards and Trey Young, and, and you can throw in you know, Damian Lillard or somebody yeah. like that. I would definitely want a little size because Golden State is just unique. They go small. Somebody might say, well, why don't you just play small? Well, because everybody's not Golden State. <laughs> I mean, they, they're the best shooting team ever, right? right. Best backcourt, best shooters ever in Clay and Steph and their system. Everybody can't play that. Look, we can talk about Damian Lillard and Trey Young and somebody, all, Kyrie Irving, all these great scoring point guards in today's game, Colin. Do any of them want to run around like Steph does for 40 minutes? They don't. They want the ball in their hands. Right. And, you know, and they're going to beat you one-on-one and do their thing and take their long jumpers. But they don't want to run around like Reggie Miller. Steph will do that. And last night, and, and I'm going to give you, look, I'm not with you yet on Steph over Magic. I know you said that yeah. earlier in the week. But I think if, they, if Golden State wins this series or this championship, I should say, it is a definite discussion. And I think last night, like, Steph gets underrated for finishing at the rim and for his passing and his ball handling. Last night, Colin, people think, oh, Steph didn't do much. He had 20 and 12. He had a Magic Johnson game. He only took 12 shots. Yeah. And he dominated the game. And so he's showing you. Look, I could play like more of a regular point guard if that's what it called for. Because remember, under Mark Jackson, they did play this way, high pick and roll. And Steph was 24 points, eight assists a game. His highest career assist uh, for a season. So he showed last night, kind of to your point, he could play. I'm not saying he'd be magic if he played this way totally, but he can play that type of game as well. He's just such a great shooter. He can do both. So, um, yeah, I, I just think that you got to listen if you're the Lakers. And maybe you even make calls. I'm not saying you shop him or trade him, but see what you could get for him for yeah. sure. I think Celtics 76ers is fascinating. Boston matched up very well with them. Then in game one with no Embiid, and it's funny, the Sixers all year, 13-5 and five without Embiid, a higher net rating. There's a certain yeah. clarity on offense where they're kind of like Maxie Harden. Now, I'm, not, I'm not saying Embiid doesn't deserve this, 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 and he's great. But now it goes back. They got home court. Do you do you give Philadelphia even with an eighty percent MB a shot? Because I'll tell you, when you watch Game One, they 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 went toe to toe. And I have real questions about the Celtics. If these games are close, I can argue between Embiid and Harden. I got the two better closers to take one shot. So I mean, do you you give Philadelphia a shot? I don't – I think I'm more down on Philadelphia than most. And, and, it, and I think it's because all these past years seeing Harden in big moments struggle. I know right. how great he is, but I've just seen so many big playoff moments where he doesn't play his game. I've seen Doc – Dropped so many series when they should have won and could have won. You know, he's the only coach ever to drop uh, multiple uh, three-to-one leads in a series. He's done it three times. And, and even in B, I've seen B really good, but not as great as he could be in, the, in some playoff moments. So I, they're at the point where I got to see it to really believe it. And I just think Boston's the better team. Colin, 
I, I, I think it'll go six, but I would be stunned if Philadelphia beat Boston. And one reason is they've got, I think they've got Embiid's and, and the Sixers number. Embiid is one and nine against Boston in the playoffs, and a lot of these players are the same. Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Embiid himself. Yeah. Uh, he was one and three against them this year. The game he, he scored, they won, he scored 52 points. But he's average, he played well. He'll play well individually tonight. But what Boston can do is bring him out on the floor because they, they only play one guy that's not a three-point threat, and that's Robert Williams III. Yeah. Al Horford brings Embiid away from the basket. Yep. That opens up drives for the other guys. And Embiid's not great at closing out on threes, understandably. So I think they've got the formula to beat Philadelphia. I, look, Philly, like I said, I think they'll get one of these two next games. But I think Boston wins in six. All right, first things first will be great today off the Laker, uh, the hemorrhaging Lakers. Uh, Nick Wright, Chris Broussard, <laughs> Kevin Wilds. It's a fun watch. Good seeing you, buddy. Have a great weekend. All right, Colin, you too. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.